0: All right, uh, you guys know me, I'm a pretty heartless person, and uh, I don't get excited about bringing too many people on this podcast, because most celebrities you meet, uh, it never lives up to your expectation. First of all, I have a co-host for this episode, the one and only Mississippi Pride, and I mean pride in every which way that word, Mr. Eric Carter.
1: Yo, yo, what's
0: up? Yo, yo. Uh, we have uh, maybe my most well-looked-upon guest ever in the history of Inappropriate Earl. He comes from one of, if not the greatest, wrestling family. Uh, and I don't mean the Wyatt family. Uh, I don't mean uh, Kane and the Undertaker, who really were never brothers. I mean, let's keep it real here. I don't mean Offa uh, and Sika, the Wild Samoans, the Johnson family, uh, the Hogan family, especially these days. Eesh. Uh, Horace Hogan you're going to save that family I never thought I'd say that Um, I I used to watch this man's uncle father wrestle Olympic Auditorium Uh, I'm a WCW guy through and through even through the lean years when they had Norman Smiley as the hardcore champion Uh, it is without further ado I can't give this man a proper introduction Uh, Mr. Chavo Guerrero
2: Hey, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me, guys.
0: No, I'm happy that you would sit in a room with me after. You know, we originally met at the Iron Sheik Rose.
2: Right, right, right. But you, you had all that makeup on. So I, uh, I, when I first saw, when I saw you again the second time, I was kind of like, "Did do I know you?" Oh, that's right.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's uh, I was came out as the Ultimate Warrior at the Iron Sheik Rose.
2: No, the other makeup you had on. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
0: when I came out as Gangrel. And, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, and uh, you know the warrior is a very divisive man. In the uh, he's my favorite wrestler of all time. In full disclosure, uh, just because I loved the gimmick he had, um, but uh, he uh, let's just say made some enemies in the business. Am I correct in that?
2: Uh? Yeah, yeah, I I, he. No, he he did his own thing, and and I respect that. You know, he, he he was on top of on top, and you know had everybody gunning for him. So. You know, when you're the top of the heap, everybody's trying to knock you down. You know, so I, I, I can't. I've never walked a mile in his shoes. You know what I mean? So it's one of those that y- you may not agree with some of the things that he's done, but you know, more power to the guy because he he did something right. If people are still talking about him. So,
0: well, his hour long shoot video on YouTube, where he really rips into Hogan, is he basically interviews himself and
2: uh, <laughs> that guy. I see that.
0: Uh It is. uh if you have an hour to spare, a child, <laughs> you know it's it's maybe the greatest YouTube video ever did made. Tell
2: you, did he talk about walking on the mountaintops and going to the moon and all different stuff? Did he just go off? He, just go crazy because he will go on a tangent. Some of bitch will go on a tangent. I mean, I couldn't imagine having a beer with a guy and just have him just talk. You know, you'd be going, "This dude is whacked."
0: Well, were you in WCW when they brought him back? Yes,
2: and that's the first time I actually met him, and and he was up on the product right away. I mean, that's like my first maybe second year in the business and he's coming up to me and going hey chavo man i really like what you guys are what you're doing and stuff so i was he was a really cool guy backstage you know and he could have come in as you know doing a dennis rodman bullshit where he just would not talk to anybody because he's ultimate warrior but he he came in and was just super cool to everybody man i i I really liked him
0: um you mentioned dennis rodman did it uh Rub the boys in the back the wrong way when, like, you know, your family, you, you yourself, uh, start out from humble beginnings, busting your ass in right. high school gyms, uh, you know, places like Stu Hart's dojo. Uh, did it bother you to see a guy who, not not really, I mean, he paid his basketball dues, but but wrestling ain't basketball.
2: You know what? I, I think I just think that he's a introverted guy, and you can't expect everybody to come in. If I went into basketball and was playing their game, then I'm sure I would have been inducing everybody. Carl Malone was there also. And Carl Malone was in our locker room with the guys with his shirt off, all ripped up, telling us basketball stories of how he owes Shaq a elbow to the head. And all this. he was just cool, man. He was a big wrestling fan. It was just really, really cool, dude. And Robin wasn't. Robin came in and, and really didn't talk to anybody. He just kind of, you know, did his own thing. But if you know anything about Robin now, he's he's an introverted guy, you know, so he's... I don't know if you think he's the most social guy out there, so, you know, I, I can't... I didn't get to know him enough to, to say that he's a dick, <laughs> to be oh. honest, you know what I mean? I hear that he's cool if you know him, if you're in a circle that I hear people say he's a cool dude.
0: Well, I mean, WCW... uh I think they tried to bring in the celebrity uh, angle a few times. Sometimes it worked.
2: Oh, yeah. You mean know, Jay Leno, you know, like. At, Hogan uh, and stuff. Sturgis. Sure, sure. The, yeah. Uh,
0: sure. Kiss. Gotcha. Kiss, uh, the demon uh, wrestler. Yeah, which... yeah.
2: They were cool, though. They were, they were, they were cool. I like Gene Simmons, all those guys.
0: Oh, I just yeah. met him the other day for the first time. Did was, you? Uh,
2: you know, he keeps calling me, trying to, invite, like, borrow money from me and shit. I'm like, no. Wow. Well,
0: He's you probably have more money than Kiss at this point. uh, (laughs) No, (laughs) um,
2: if you know anything about Kiss, those guys are marketing geniuses.
0: Well, they are, but you know, instead of putting out Kiss condoms, uh, how about maybe a a better album (laughs) that might?
2: Well, I don't know if they're still doing music and that kind of stuff. They're not going to be putting out a new album, I don't think.
0: Well, has uh, now we're going to get all into wrestling, but has you know, like older artists like Kiss? Do you want to? Now, are you a Kiss fan? Or, sure, sure. Um, do you want to see them put out new music, or do you just want to go to the no. concert scene and play the songs? Not really,
2: not really. I want to hear, you know, uh, uh, Dr. Right. Love and right. oh, wow. that kind of stuff, you know. And I want to hear Beth and that kind of stuff. I don't really want to hear any new stuff, to be honest. I think the last great Kiss song to me was, like, Lick It Up or something like that. And I don't know if you can say great but you know that's the last one i kind of really remember right
0: well that's uh, my favorite uh, kiss song uh, to be honest Look with you, because it was uh that was right after they kicked out ace freely
2: yeah, okay and sure. they
0: brought in a guy yeah. by the name of vinnie vincent yeah right, right and uh he wrote the whole album i didn't know that well i'm full of useless information yeah, me too
2: everybody. me too i know i know a whole lot about nothing and a little about everything
0: Well, that's more than I do. I (laughs) I can tell you who joined the NWO in what order.
2: (laughs) In what order? You were in the LWO. I can't even tell you that.
0: I can. I mean, it was... uh, But just real quick on Vinnie Vincent. Vinnie Vincent kicked out of KISS three times in a year and a half. Wow. He then forms the Vinnie Vincent Invasion.
2: Which is, I mean, a stellar Rock and Roll Hall of Fame group. Not really.
0: (laughs) Kicked out of the Vinnie Vincent Invasion
2: they they 51% of him
0: yeah but i mean how are you kicked out of the Vinnie vincent invasion
2: well if you're Vinnie vincent what are they called when he leaves are they like f- the Vinnie vincent invasion with now John Smith playing the role of Vinnie Vincent. Well,
0: they ended up becoming Slaughter to really answer your question. Oh, really? And then, well, they uh,
2: did, but well for themselves. So they good did for them. right. Good they, for them. They
0: had a nice run in they, the. They uh, kicked out the right guy. Early nineties, and uh, you know, that, but that's when I really started getting into wrestling. So I lost.
2: Uh, they called themselves the Vinnie Vincent evacuation.
0: Don't give Vinny any ideas, because <laughs> I know he listens. I know Gene Simmons listens to this
2: podcast. Does he? Well, Gene, hey. Big peace out to you, Gene. Because you are—I've read your books. Marketing genius. Learned has, a lot from him.
0: Although I will say, the wrestler, the demon, it didn't go over.
2: Also, Dale, but Dale Torborg—that's his name. He is the strength and conditioning coach for the the uh, the uh, Chicago White Sox.
0: Okay, yeah. I so mean,
2: still a really cool guy. Still a good friend. I still talk to him, and he still gets me tickets to the White Sox. So it's all it's nice. good. Nice. It's but all good.
0: Do, and the, now getting into wrestling characters. You know,
2: he's—he's he's his dad was was the. With the Chicago Cubs, I believe. Yeah, oh, he was... Uh, Chicago Cubs manager, Tolberg, you know, so that's pretty good.
0: Do you... Like, he was a good wrestler, right? I mean... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah,
2: he was, yeah, totally good. He's a big guy. Yeah, really I mean... Uh, Six foot four, really big guy, but, yeah, sure.
0: Do you? And now you're an amazing technical wrestler. I mean, amazing. I think you
2: are. Amazing, so good. <laughs> but I thought the
0: Warriors Gorilla Slam was amazing, uh, too. Yeah, so I'm, right, right. I'm not the one to uh, judge wrestling... uh did you, uh, like I look at guys like you, Lance Storm, sure. uh, uh, you know, Eddie Guerrero. Right. Uh,
2: Dean Malenko. Oh, Dean Malenko. Um, Steven Regal or William Regal? you want to call him, Fit Finley, all those guys. Those guys, all they all trained me. The reason why we even, I'm kind of where I'm at is because those guys would kick my ass every night.
0: But did you... Like it when you were put in comical roles Like uh, uh, Santino is another yeah, one sure. uh, You know who's a, a good technical wrestler But it, no one takes it The fans kind of laugh I mean do you like being in the comedy roles Or would you rather have a
2: Look I've, I've talked about this before If it was up to me If it was to any wrestler We would all be the champ We'd all be the John Cena Or the Batista Or whatever you want to call it We'd all book ourselves in that In that sense but we're, we're not. We don't write the shows. So what happens, a lot of times you'll be off TV and they'll present you something. It's like, okay, so I can say yes and get back on TV and try to knock it out of the park. Or I can say no and probably get fired for, you know, not really doing anything. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like you take what's – you make lemonade out of lemons and, and, and sometimes you just you got to keep yourself on TV and keep that paycheck coming in. So that being said, I have been able to be the, the the good guy, the bad guy, the tag team wrestler, the singles wrestler, the comedy guy, the white guy. I mean, all these different, <laughs> you know I mean? All these different things. And that actually worked to my advantage a lot of times because Hollywood now, people that know – they watch, and they and, and wrestling, there's a lot of fans in Hollywood. A lot of people that are higher execs in, in Hollywood are wrestling fans. In fact, I just came from two meetings with some pretty high producer guys that were huge wrestling fans, and that's the first thing they were telling me. is like, man, you can do everything. So a lot of guys have always been one character in the ring, just mean, tough, bad guy, which is great, perfect, no problem. But that's the only facet they're ever showing, and... I think I was one of those guys that can kind of show that I can do everything. Whether you liked it or not, it doesn't really matter. First, first and foremost, I got to keep a paycheck coming in, so that's kind of what we, I've had to do. But it just kind of works for you. And, and now people are kind of seen it and say, "Well, this guy can be funny. He can be the jerk. He can be, you know, make people cry, make them laugh, make them hate him, make them cheer him." And, and that's just kind of what you got to do, you know, in this day and age.
0: Is it harder to? Like we were talking right before we started about Roddy Piper being uh, such an amazing bad guy. And, you know, when I was a kid, I hated him because sure. I really thought, wow, this guy's a dick. You know, the whole snooker and coconut and beating
2: I up. hated him too, man. He was the conqueror of the Guerreros. He'd wear, he'd go to one of those little, not even a s- silkscreen shop back then. He would just go get a white T-shirt where they would just iron on the the, the little felt letters <laughs> and it's a conqueror of the guerreros and you wear it on tv and i'm like no you're not you know And he was man but he you know he beat my dad and beat my grandfather and beat my my uncles and i tell this story at his memorial where he you know he had to he was going to apologize and he brought out his donkey and he called him he's apologizing to mrs guerrero my grandma i'm like what are you kidding me i mean the, he was had riots going on and all over in la then of course he was told by the, the office that he had to apologize. He had to apologize to the Hispanic people and to the Guerrero family. So the Olympic auditorium is completely sold out. He goes into the middle of the ring and says, I'm going to apologize and I'm going to play the national anthem on the bagpipes because I'm a Scottish player and I, that's what all Scots do is play the bagpipes. So he got in the middle of the ring and tests test his bag, you know, to test the, the and now starts playing the Cucaracha. <laughs> la Cucaracha, la Cucaracha. <laughs> ya no <laughs> puedo caminar. As the nation, the Mexican national anthem. And people, I and mean, the place is sold out. Half of L.A. wanted to kill him. including, like legitimately. Including me, yes. No wonder the guy's been stabbed, had been stabbed, you know, all the different times. And, and I, actually there was somebody, that, he just told a story on my podcast, The Chavo Show. Well...
0: Please, please, where can people listen to? I rarely like to plug someone yeah. else's podcast. Well, it's not a
2: podcast; it's different than yours. It's not okay, competing not with kidding. yours. It's it's uh, on geeknation.com, and it's more like a uh, um, a video like a video conference where I'm actually just I'm talking. We're just telling stories and kind of just drinking beer on set and the whole deal. So it's kind of a total different deal. So it doesn't compete with you at all. Yeah. But um, he just I told, could never compete with you. Well, <laughs> he just told the story of how somebody had a gun. And pointed right at him. He was coming. Yeah, he came down. And I didn't tell that story at his memorial. I didn't want to talk too long up there. But he told a story where he walks to the ring. And somebody stands up and goes. And points this gun right at Piper. Piper didn't even know what was going on. And Jimmy Lennon, the ring announcer. announcer, Who you know, Jimmy Lennon Jr., the boxing ring announcer now. But his father stands up and pretends that he's looking for something else and the guy's pointing he's in the way of the bullet and and roddy and he's the guy's going get down get down get down and jimmy's he's you know, probably a 68 69 year old man at the time and he's looking around kind of like 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 clueless on purpose standing in the way of the gun all of a sudden cops jump on this guy take him to the back you know take him to the back take the gun away and there's a bullet in the chamber That's got engraved on it, like like scratching. It says "Piper." Yeah, that was going to kill Piper right there in the middle of the Olympic Auditorium. Fuck. Yeah, uh, that was my uncle. My uncle. (laughs) My my uncle Paul. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Uncle (laughs) Pablo was going to do it. No. I do have a question. Yeah, so man. you
1: So, during the I Conquered the Guerrero's, you were a kid. Sure. And, you know, you hated him. Would you ask, like, your dad, your uncles, like, why does he do this? And when you do, would they, like, just sell the story at home?
2: Oh, yeah. We were very kayfabe. Our, our, the, the kayfabe was still very much yeah. alive and never really smartened me up to the business, whatever you want to call it, to where, you know, they never really explained how the business worked. We just thought that it was this guy was just a jerk you know and until i met roddy and then you could put two and two together you know and you're kind of like oh okay well he's it's just like you know he's just really good at his job you know and um yeah i did i, I hate the guy man you know i didn't you know you you love the villain they hated the villains and you love the good guys now it's still a little change sometimes where you kind of love the villains it's kind of it's it's changed it's very very gray areas now but back then it was like if you were a bad guy they hated him and if you're a good guy, they love you. But back then, the the good the bad guys were very good at their job, very 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 good. And I to when I'm a bad guy, that's something that I, I always try to keep is I want the whole I want ten thousand people chanting Chavo sucks, not nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine. Right. So the one guy's going, yeah, Chavo, you're good. I'm looking at him right away and going, yeah, I know I'm good. That's what your mom told me last night. I was good. <laughs> And he's like, "Yeah, okay." And yeah, tell your mom I want we're back. And I will stay on that guy until he starts saying that I suck. I don't want anybody cheering me. If I'm a bad guy, I'm doing my part. and I want them to boo the heck out of me. That's just the way it goes.
0: Do you prefer being a bad guy or a good guy?
2: Much, much more the bad guy. Much more because good guy, you'll still have you know people going, "Yay, Chavo, you're cool, you're great," but you'll still have those few people saying, "You suck." And I'm like, "Wait a minute, you're you're supposed to be cheering me. You can't really control that." I mean. If he says I suck, what am I going to do? No, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm a good guy. No, really. You're supposed to cheer me. He's still going to say I suck. But when you're a bad guy, I can turn those those supporters, I can turn those guys. I can turn them to really hate me.
0: Yeah, I love bad guys much better. Yeah, right? uh, You know, I mean, I think Sting's the only good guy, actually. uh,
2: You like? Well, Sting had an edge to him. You know, he's kind of, even though he's not really a bad guy, he's kind of that little tough edge, you know.
0: I mean, I don't really like what they're doing with him in the WWE, but you know.
2: I, you know, I don't really watch it too much, and... Because um, you're busy. I'm well, not. Well, yeah, well, busy. Busy. I just, you know, I just... I just, <laughs> You know, I, I just... I don't know you know, where that's going to go. I'm sure he's, you know, because he's a master performer, so I'm sure he's going to do really well. It's just been a long time coming, you know. He's what He's been signed there for over a year or whatever, right? Now they're starting to use him, so I hope they, they do something well with him, you know. They're
0: they already ruined them when. Did
2: they, they? I didn't. I didn't see it. So.
0: I mean, yeah, you know, I don't want to get you in trouble. That's man. That's okay. But, Go ahead. Keep uh, talking. I don't well, work for them anymore. <laughs> oh, okay, in that case. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, it kind of goes in line with booking. I mean, you know, there's always been the and and you've been you were in the Monday Night Wars sure. uh, knee deep. Uh, you went over. Uh, I think you were one of the last few contracts bought into the WWE. Uh, I still I, want to yeah. say WWF. Yeah, but.
2: I was. I was the one of like I don't. 12 or something that they bought and I was the very last one to, to make it, to, 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 to stay there.
0: So you know all about yeah. the booking and... and yeah, used uh, the yeah, all... book the WWE. Did you really? <laughs> Jeez, I wish you'd <laughs> go back there. No,
2: I didn't. Well, I, fu- didn't. I funded big man, you know.
0: <laughs> Jeez, well, I wish you were back in there. <laughs> the, the writing's horrible. I gotta be honest with you. You but know what,
2: that, before you go on, that's what I say to any fan out there that, that watches wrestling and if you don't like something that's going on, say oh that match wasn't good or this storyline is horrible do not blame the wrestlers blame the writers because the wrestlers have nothing to do with it at times we may have some input i'm sure john cena has input you know but a lot of times you just got to take what's get what's written for you and just kind of go do it you just like it'd be like telling um robert de niro you know i didn't like that line that you delivered the line that 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 dialogue you had in in analyze this Well, he doesn't write the show, and he says like, if you don't like a match that's going on or a character that we're doing, well, we don't write it. We just kind of got to play it out. We're just acting it out there sometimes, you know.
0: Well, I'm just an idiot fan.
2: Well, (laughs) me too.
0: No, but you're you're uh, you know you're a high level performer. Uh, You've you've been where I just watch, Uh, but I just like you know they brought Sting in. Fight Triple H, right? And there's not a person on this planet who has explained to me why Triple H beating him, and they kind of dogged him the whole process. How that made Sting look strong?
2: Did did he fight Triple H?
0: He, uh, they did a little build up. He, I think he appeared at Survivor Series. You know, interrupted a match mm-hmm. with the Authority, which is like their uh, heel mm-hmm. stable mm-hmm. now. And then he fought uh, Triple H at WrestleMania, and he
2: lost. I didn't see that. It was awful. Was it bad? You know, well, I, I think Triple H is—he's really good at keeping himself on top. However, however that that right. that that goes, but I wouldn't. You know, I mean, if I was booking that, there's there's no way Triple H does not need to win that at all. It does nothing for Triple H. Well, am
1: if I anything, wrong? you got
2: to make Sting. You got to make him strong. He's first coming into the into your organization. But you know what? Hey, again, I didn't book it, and I'm sure they have some other plans that are going. Right.
0: Way. Well, I mean, I just, as a fan, I, I you know, and you correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm 46. I'm not bragging. Uh, <laughs> I look pretty good, right, for 46? You look great.
2: So, yeah. I've seen all these hockey, these hockey right. tropes around. I'm sure you've... That's you've, all I have you've, left you've, to you've, hang on You've, you've to. fought some guys.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not a very... I've got the uh, reflexes of the great Kali on uh, lithium, so... Uh, but, like... You know, <laughs> I, I, I don't Triple H's character is what it is, whether he wins or loses, and it just seems like another uh, attempt by the WWE to bury a WCW guy.
2: Ah, I I don't see any good in doing that. It doesn't make, it doesn't work. That doesn't work for anybody. I mean, if it, if that kills Sting, it kills WWE. I think it kills everybody. There's a way to to book book you want to call it to write storylines where everybody wins. You you what? make everybody look. They're playing my song.
0: Uh, oh, they're coming for Chavo. We yeah, got to yeah, wrap this up. Yeah,
2: no, but you La- make. There's a way to make everybody win. There's a way to do it to where, you know, you achieve the goal that you want. Now, I don't. I'm not in the booking meeting, so I don't know if that's what they're going for. And I don't know if they're saying, "Well, we're just going to bury Steen." Although, that sometimes is the mo. They they get, you know, you get on somebody's bad side, and they just they just bury you. But I'm sure they're paying sting a whole lot of money and they're probably not doing that so
0: but i mean i would just yeah. think that uh you know sting has enough clout to not necessarily dictate what goes on sure. He's, he's, sure absolutely but to say hey man i'm not going to job to triple h i mean i just is that more like he has a bad i know you don't know the his mm-hmm. behind the scenes team but sure. i would think he would say i want to win my first match so i look good <laughs>
2: I don't know, man. Sometimes they test you to see where you're at, and okay, he'll play. He'll play ball. Okay, then then we'll play ball with him. But I, I don't know, man. I wasn't in there, and I didn't see the match, so I, I can't. I can't really comment. Although I have been commenting, I can't really. I, com- I can't really comment either way and say, well, they 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 did this wrong or they did that right. I just you know I just, I'm I'm kind of being a little gray area here, but just because. I just didn't, I, I, I don't have room to talk. I, trust me, if I thought they booked him wrong, I'll tell you, they booked him wrong. This was absolutely incorrect.
0: Well, you were there when they booked Goldberg, right? From his, sure. uh, I mean, I, like, I kind of liked how they did that. You know, you, mm-hmm. you build him up to be this, uh, I don't want to say WCW version of Stone Cold. But, sure. Uh, and, you know, it was okay. It's believable. I just, yeah. I don't know.
2: Well, Goldberg's a believable guy, though, man. Too, he'll you know he'll smash your face. Did you, <laughs> he uh, really will. You,
0: you had uh, some matches with him. Uh? Yeah, sure.
2: He's a good friend of mine. But he he's a really legit tough guy. Even though he's a very nice guy, he'll you know take give you the shirt off his back. You know he'll he, he'll when he punches you in the face, you'll know it. He's a strong guy. He's not scared of anybody.
0: Like to someone who comes from a, such an amazing uh, wrestling family like you, did, did it bother not you personally, yeah, sure. but you or the boys that guy like Goldberg? You know comes from a football background and, and he just gets that almost immediate push. It was like,
2: no, you know why? And I, I don't, I don't think so because he's, he started, he was a very humble guy. He didn't come in all ready, you know, just like he was the cock of the walk. He was a very humble guy and was in the, the locker room for a long time before he got that push doing maybe dark matches and doing little things, you know, and I'd work with him. My Uncle Hector, work with him a bunch of different times. And um, he's just a real humble guy. So when they, made that push to him um he it wasn't his idea they they started pushing it and it just took off and just that thing gained such momentum and, and he just became this he was so good you you couldn't teach anybody that he was so good at coming in and just man just the walk and with the the pyro and he just looked like this crazy crazy strong tough guy there's a lot of guys that have that look backstage you put them on in camera and they don't have that look this guy he had it. The intensity. He had all that. So that I don't think that was really manufactured. I think that was something that that they kind of you know put him out there, and they say, "Wow, we didn't expect this." Right. And he just they ran with it. So I we weren't no we we Bill was such a cool guy. You know that that if he was if he was a you know with big time or something like that, well then different story. But he was very humble at all times, and was always knew that that he was getting that push and that he had a lot to learn. He was all, he didn't think he net one and not at one time did he ever, at least to me was ever like, you know, I know what's going on. I'm, you know, listen to me. I'm the veteran out here. Never once. And he had everybody in his ear. He had Hogan in his ear telling him one thing. He had Nash in his ear, telling him something else. He had Eric Bischoff in his ear, telling him something else. So he's got 20 people in there. That's the reason why at times he's kind of bitter on the business is because he was messed with a lot. You know, when he, people he thought were his friends and they were just out for their own you know and just trying to align themselves with him so i i i I see his point i don't i would never have wanted to be him i would want his money but i would never want to have been in that position because he'll even tell you out of all those matches he wrestled you know he really didn't even really ever learn the business you know actually actually to go in and 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 call a match and go twenty five minutes with somebody that you've never even met, and just go out there and tear the house down. You know, so he'll tell you that.
0: Do you like working with? I don't want to say he was green and wrestling, mm-hmm. but uh, is it easier for you to uh, where you call a match with a guy like Goldberg, or do Two. you like?
2: No, I'll call a match with anybody, pretty much. Now I've been around a long, a, a long enough now. You know when you're when you sit back and, and let somebody call it like for instance when I first wrestled Kane first time it's Kane I can make some suggestions but I'm going to sit and let him kind of feel me out and after a few matches now that he's letting me do everything because he has trust in me same thing with Taker the first time I wrestled Taker you you sit back and, you, and this has already been I've been in there a little bit you know and he's like you let him call it but then once he gets cr- trust in you well then they let me take over And I'll just sit hes He feels like, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. He's not going to just go into business for himself. He's going to make me and make the match at the same time and then make himself. So when you know you've arrived, when that starts happening, when I have Ric Flair coming up to me going, hey, Chavo, great match, or Stone Cold Steve Austin going, Chavo, great match, then you know you're you're starting to know a little something.
0: And what do you do? And I'm not asking you to name names, Mm -hmm. but, uh, I mean, you can if you want. Sure. when you it's the opposite where you you're in a program with someone and there's just not the chemistry i mean how do you make it work i mean you have to make it work
2: there's nobody to blame but myself being a veteran you can't blame anybody you should have you should be able to have a match with a broom now you're gonna have sometimes have better matches with certain brooms, but you just you 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 have to be able to um disguise their faults and, and accentuate their, their, their strengths and being, being a Guerrero and not just putting this ourselves over all the time, but that's something that we've had to learn to do because we're, we're small Brown guys in a big white guy world. And for us to wrestle in Japan and wrestling in, 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 Mexico, United States, and Europe, and everywhere, we had to learn those styles and then adapt to everybody, so that we could always wrestle. Because they weren't looking at us, going, "Oh, this is this guy's the." Never once they look at anybody in my family and go, "This is the next. This is the next big thing." Never once, because we weren't. We're, we don't look like that. We don't look like that. We don't portray that. Now, you get in the ring, different story. But we've had to convince them. Eddie forever was just was overlooked, was a guy that could make other people look good oh. until finally they gave him that chance. He became, you know, the heavyweight champion. And then after that, they still put him in a, in a, in a program with, with Luther Reigns, who was Kurt Angle's bodyguard and wanted him, wanted to, Eddie to get him to, to, to look good. Not that Luther could on his own, but they, they wanted Eddie to make him. And Eddie was pissed. He's like, man, I should be working with Triple H and with Shawn Michaels and stuff. But they put them back in that position just because we've... It's its a gift and it's a curse. We've always been able to work with anybody. But that being said, we've always had to make other people look better than they could make themselves look. And there was really nobody to make us look better than we were. Although at, there, there was, of course, always great, great, great wrestlers. But a lot of times they wouldn't make, put us together because of the fact that just they can get instead of getting one match they get two matches they right. get that other wrestler making somebody else look good and then we got us making somebody else look good
0: well that was what i loved about wcw when you were there it's like it's just uh i don't i guess you'd say middleweight matches you Fusally, yeah uh eddie you know benoit lance storm uh, you know i don't want to say smaller guys because you guys are all big guys no me. but
2: the smaller guys but for like sure.
0: that, you know, WWE had these, you know, uh, bigger, almost uh, maybe it's not wrong wording, archaic, you mm-hmm. know, monsters who, you know, couldn't wrestle five minutes, and and I think that's what put WCW over the top for a bit. The
2: the business changed. So when we first came in as cruiserweights, um, so I kind of just told the story. So you have Eddie Ben Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, and Dean Malenko. Those are kind of like the three amigos, want yeah. to call them they were at they were everywhere together. They were in Japan together. They're they were in ECW together and they all came over to w, WCW together. They they changed the way business was was looked. So, I was talking to Jeff Farmer who used to be Cobra and also the NWO Sting. Remember, I remember, remember NWO Sting? Okay, I did. Of course I did. So, so he was telling me a story cuz he was there in WCW before we got there. And he said when Benoit and Eddie came in and they went did a match on Saturday night main event. They d- did their match and they came back. It was like you know 10, 12 minute match. They came in the they came into the back. He said that everybody was looking at him like, "What was that? How, how did we've never seen anything like that before?" And these guys have been doing that. You know, they they just went out there and called it. He, Jeff told me he goes, "It looked like these guys had rehearsed this for three weeks. They didn't know they was like we." We were still, they were still punching and kicking, punching, and kicking and, and doing big man moves, a body slam and a clothesline. And these guys were doing hurricanranas and, you know, all these different words that I could tell you. And you could be like, what the heck is that? Uh, and they, they were in awe. And then all of a sudden Terry Taylor, who was one of the agents came into the back and was like, that's the way you work. That's the way it's done. Everybody was like, what, what the heck was that? That's when the business started changing. Then they brought all us, all those cruiserweights in and we started doing all these different things. We all worked together because the upper echelon who was, you know, the Hogan's and the Lex Luger's and those guys, they wouldn't work with us. Not that we were even on their level, but there were some of us that could have you definitely competing with them. They wouldn't work with, they, they continued to work with themselves. So we would work with ourselves and every, everybody I've talked to and i you know, it's, it's different for me cause I was there, but people tell me, they would always watch the first hour of WCW and then when the main event started coming on the second hour, they would switch to Raw and started watching the second hour of Raw because of the fact that we were always on the first hour, us young guys, they were going crazy. Then Raw changed; it went from being big man punch kick punch kick to all of a sudden you saw these guys doing backflips and you know one time you had Kane doing a hurricane on somebody. It it changed the business changed because we changed it. Ray Mysterio and Chris Jericho and and Fit Finley and uh, and D Malenko and Eddie ben, Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit and Juventud Guerrero and all the guys from from Mexico they Ray Mysterio I think I said they, they we changed it we changed the way business was
0: don't forget La Parca. La right.
2: Parker man La Parka was awesome he was we right. could, a lot of us could do our moves because La Parka would base us correctly right so he'd make us look. If you you can fly all you want, if you need somebody there to catch you, you're gonna you're gonna die. The park was a very good base. Silver King was another guy that wouldn't do flips, but he would base you and make you look great. Good.
1: I actually I used to do that when I was during the Monday Night Wars watch of uh, Nitro for the first hour. Sponge I was kick? a small guy. Sponge and kick? my bro, yeah, my <laughs> my brother was a uh, big and strong. We always have matches. We were trailer trash kids in Mississippi. Hey, gotcha. And uh I'm I remember I'm to, brown white trash, so we're yeah, good. <laughs> first luchador. Trash. The first Luchador ma- match was uh, I saw with Psychosis versus Rey Mysterio. And That's I was. Crazy, blown away. Blown right? away. Because yeah. I, you know, I've been past eight WrestleManias, used to that. Just boom, boom. Sure. And then I remember just like, I remember the first thing I had practiced was like slinging myself over my bed rail because yeah. it was a large frame. And yeah. I was like real short. And I started like doing Hirano Coronas with my brother when he yeah. tried to do like power moves yeah. on me. And, uh, no, I just remember very first time I watch *Psychosis* Raymond Stare, I was blown. I said, "What is this?" They, and then they
2: changed. S- they changed the business, man.
1: And then all the guys you just mentioned, I started. You know, like it's the first hour, I watch all the quick matches. You know, flying over the ropes. Yeah. And you know, going a hundred miles per hour. Then once you know a hundred members of the NWO came out. Yep. I'll go to Monday Night Raw. Yeah, totally,
2: totally. Mm-hmm. Then you start watching DX and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah totally. That's I mean, what people tell me. So.
0: Well, I mean, WCW. I mean, you know, that's why it's so neat to have you because you were he- you were there,
2: right? And right. Like,
0: where I mean, like to me, WCW went yeah. wrong. Just as an idiot fan, sure. uh, you know, the, some of the older guys uh, wouldn't uh, pass the torch. Yeah,
2: I mean, yeah, there's a there was numerous things why it went wrong. I okay, yeah, sure. The, you don't want to, you know. Some of them didn't want to work with us. You know, whatever. I mean, there's there's no hard feelings. I, I get it. I tell a story. So, Bret Hart comes in. Bret Hart, just leaving WWF at the time. Just got the Montreal screw job to him. You know, he was the champ. He comes in to WCW. The Holland Nash always had this clause of their contract that no one could be get paid higher than them except for Hogan and... And Brett, if he came in, anybody else, if they got paid higher, they would would automatically get a bump, which is amazing. I don't know. I can't believe they actually WCW actually gave him that contract, but they did. And good for them. But so Brett comes in making probably second to Hogan only. And that's it. He comes in. Everybody in WCW have their own locker rooms, all the main stars. Goldberg's got his own locker room because we were always in the biggest arena, so there's so many dressing rooms. Hogan had his own dressing room. You know, uh, Holland Nash had their own dressing room. Lex Luger had his own dressing room. Sting, own dressing room. All of us, we would dress in the community, the, big, the, the team dressing room. Right. Well, Bret Hart comes in and changes next, right next to us in our dressing room. And I, I always wondered why, why did he did that, why he did that, why didn't he get his own room? So I asked him one of these times after when I was in WWE and he came in finally and uh, I hadn't seen him for years because he had that, that issue with, with Vince, right? right? Finally, when he came back in and started to patch things up, he was in our locker room and I asked him, why? And since then, we've gotten very close. He's a good friend of mine now. But I asked him, why did you dress in our dressing room? And he goes, well, I was watching the show. You guys were the ones having the good matches. I figured I'd better, better be cool to you guys because I'm not to wrestle you guys. I'm gonna want to wrestle you guys, so I want to dress next to you guys. It was a pretty cool thing. And that's Bret Hart. He's one of the boys, man. He came in and was like, he never got too big for his, you know, he didn't right. he never believe the hype for that way.
0: Uh, what was it like working with Bischoff back then? I
2: mean. You know, I got mixed emotions, um, and I, I've I'm friends with Eric you now, so I can always anything I always say. On in person on on broadcast on podcasts and stuff, is nothing that I would never say ever say or I wouldn't say to somebody's face, because that's that's just the way I work. If I'm going to tell somebody this, if I'm going to talk trash about somebody, that's something I would say to somebody's face. I'll never deny it. Well, I'm you, not
0: necessarily it, no. asking you to talk no 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 shit. no no no. no,
2: no, no. Just, I'm just saying this this just just that's just the way I work. So with Bischoff, I've kind of you know we've we've talked. So Bischoff was great in some in some respects. He. He he hired me, would not, not he took a chance on me, this young kid that never really had done anything. He, he gave me a debut match. I went out there and he was like, ah, the kid's good. He's got charisma, just doesn't know how to use it yet. I remember him saying that. He's like, all right, cool. Took a chance on me, gave me much more money than I deserved. When I came in to talk for my second contract, my, my after I think two years maybe it was, um, he Talked directly with with Eric and gave me again much more money than I deserved. So in that aspect, he was great. He's very generous. Uh, on some things, he was kind of an asshole because I see it now, looking back. You know, not putting myself in his position. Now being a veteran in this business, he, he was. I mean, the guy was being pulled in every direction and fighting with networks and and and. Turner, and then after Turner, it was AOL and Time Warner, and fighting with all these guys. So he was just trying to, you know, keep his head above water. So I get it. He's going to take it out on us guys instead of Hogan. He couldn't take it out on Hogan because they wouldn't they wouldn't take it. So I, I I get it. So at times he was great. Sometimes I wanted to punch him, but I guess I'd say now that you know now we're friends, and, and we look back at it now, and kind of like 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 well I, that just was it's just the business, you know, things everything happens for a reason and. You know, I am where I am now because Eric giving me that chance. And, you know, he is where he is now because him taking a chance as an announcer and convincing the execs that he can run a wrestling company. And he he did a pretty damn good job for a while.
0: Well, listen, he gets uh, an eternal lifetime pass for me for being the minister in the Billy and Chuck Gay wedding angle.
2: Ah, <laughs> right, right.
0: That to me is maybe the greatest swerve of all time.
2: That that's he he's, he understands the business, man. He understands entertainment, and look at what he's doing now. He's got him and and Jason Hervey have their production company, and they're you know they they've sold reality shows to almost every net every major network out there. So they're they're doing something. He 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 learned something.
0: Now speaking of reality shows, yeah. I you know the WWE has their show tough enough. Yeah, and uh, you know. To someone like you, who comes from—I you know, don't want to keep saying it, but it's true. I sure, mean, the Guerreros sure, sure. are like the thank you, the, the Gretzky. You want to borrow money?
2: I get it. Okay, I got like five bucks for you. Listen, <laughs>
0: I, I just want a uh, NWO LWO t shirt. LWO. All right, cool. Um,
2: ProWrestling.com, Pro, Pro Pro dot com still have to have those. That's where
0: I get my Kamala t shirts Nice. He gets the money. Nice. Uh, poor Kamala. But that's another podcast. Um you from someone who comes from a family like yours or or I can imagine what Stu Hart would think what do you think of that show tough enough i mean um or shows maybe the, the, not specifically i mean like a reality yes. show where you give someone with absolutely no wrestling experience a
2: shot it's tv it's tv so it's not i was i was a trainer on tough enough too and that was the um the season where Jack uh Jack Swagger? No, Jackie Gata? Jackie Gata. Yes. Yeah, Jackie Gata. This. She's married to Charlie Haas now. And uh Shaniqua, she at she because she came out. They they won it. Right. Now we were I was a I was a trainer on there. We were try as a trainers, we were trying to put out the best wrestler out there. As a network USA was just try they were, I think it was USA, maybe it was Spike, I'm not sure which it was back then, they were just trying to put on a, a TV show, they didn't care about who won, they didn't care about it, so it's just a TV show that you're watching, that's why a lot of the tough enough got winners don't ever make it, because they, they do the show, they win it, and then they're forgotten forever, you know, the only one that really, who's still so good is uh, John Morrison. You can He's watch. Awesome. You can watch him with me on Lucha Underground. Johnny Mundo. That's right, Johnny Mundo. Um, you know, um, there's so, there's not really anybody who ever won, who ever kind of made it. It's because it's a TV show. You're winning a TV show, then you have to come to reality and you have to really train for wrestling and become a WWE superstar or a pro wrestler. You just it's it's too it's, it's it's apples and oranges. You're comparing two different things. So. If you look at it that way, it's 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 just a TV show. So I'm like, yeah, all forward, great. It brings more exposure to wrestling. Awesome, that you know, everybody wins from that.
0: Do you? Let's just say, uh, like, let's say this season's winner, whoever it may be. Re- uh, real quick, before you please, got, please.
2: you were saying Stu Hart, Stu Hart, and those guys would probably turn over in his grave because of the fact that they're always kayfabe. You know, they'd always keep it. They would never give out the secrets of wrestling. And, you know, the secret's out. So it's, you know, entertainment. Although we beat the crap out of each other, it's inter- entertainment. And any sport who says they're different is, they're lying to you. UFC is entertainment. I'm not saying that they're not going to fight for real, but once you make $1 in one sport, it's not a sport anymore. It's entertainment. F- pro football. Without ratings, there is no pro football. Look at the WNBA. That thing's about ready to close. You, you, you. you
0: those guys can play. Oh,
2: and they're not saying. I'm not saying. <laughs> I'm not saying they're not great athletes, and they could ball with me like crazy, right? But I mean, they they kill me. But if there's no revenue and nobody's watching, it doesn't matter. It doesn't exist. If a tree falls in the woods, does it ever make a sound? If I can score hundred points a game, but nobody watches, did I really score a hundred points?
0: Right. Is you that know? like? Uh-
2: so, so that being said, I think Stu and those older ti- old timers would not like the show at all because they're giving away the business. But it's just entertainment. Once you get to that point, it's entertainment.
0: But would you like? I remember the first season of Tough Enough, which I think was on MTV. Sure. Uh, yes, it was. Who I, I, was the winner? Was. Not, I want to say Mabel. Maven. Maven and Maven. and
2: um, Nidia. Right. Yes. Good. Both good friends of mine.
0: Now Maven's, uh, you know, I thought he was. Uh, he had potential.
2: Absolutely. They are good. He was good. Nidia was good. I, I, I don't know why they didn't make it. Sometimes winning that tough enough kind of gives you a stigma or something like that. I don't know. But those guys both proved that they were tough guys. They didn't just make it and go to the main roster. They went to OVW, I believe it was at the time, and, and, and trained and pro- properly and stuff. And then came in and, you know, I, I don't know why. I know what happened. You know, I I, I don't hire and fire, but... You, you know, should. <laughs>
0: WWE would be a better place with you. <laughs> uh, we'll see. Um, but do the boys in the back go a little harder? to Say, uh, you know, a, a winner of Tough Enough comes in, they have a dark match, or do you, do you give them a couple? I would go
2: harder on anybody who first came out, came in. Winner of Tough Enough, or or not? They, you're uh, coming into our business. You're going to show you who, you know, in a, in a safe way. For oh, the most sure. part, you know, I'm not going to punch and break your nose, but um, I'm definitely going to go hard on you and see what you're made out of, and you proved me you, you can hang okay I come from a little bit of an old school mentality that i I'm, I'm going to make sure that you respect this business and you, you, you know you, you're, you, you don't have to be the toughest guy in the world, but at the same time you you know you can't be just a, just a pushover you know you're, you're, you got you're tearing our, our legacy. So you gotta, you have to be able to handle yourself a little bit.
0: Were there guys that you were scared to work with? You don't have to mention their names, mm-hmm. uh, but because they were s- didn't know their own strength. Like I know Goldberg uh, kicked Bret Hart and, and, and injured con- him concussion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, were Were there concussion. reckless guys that you you like?
2: There are um, sometimes. There's some guys that don't know their own strength, and I'm not. I won't no. say a bunch of names, but. There, there's. You learn how to work with them. I was taught as a kid how to protect myself from guys like that. There are some guys that I'll just give my body. Here you go, because they're so good at what they do. Because you trust them, absolutely. And even then, sometimes things happen. But there's guys. Yeah, you really have to watch it sometimes because sometimes they come in. They're they're clumsy and they may not be meaning to kick your butt, but they're. You know they 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 they're breaking noses and. Busting eardrums and that kind of stuff just because they are they don't know what they're doing. Uh, I'll say Chris, like Chris Masters. You know Chris Masters, right? Masterpiece. Masterpiece. I love him to death. He's a great guy. But when he first came in, he was like a big puppy dog. He was, his paws were too big for his body. He didn't know how to... Blah, 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 blah. You know, he's such a nice guy. But man, he was so strong and would kind of kick our asses a lot. And I got pissed off I yelled at him numerous occasions. And he'll tell you. And then when he l- really learned how to work, he became very good. I'll, I'll get in the ring with him any day now. He's, he's so good and takes good, great care of you and looks like he's killing you. That's what, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make it look better than real. We have that opera, that we can manipulate it to where it looks better than real. So he was a guy that that, that that learned how to perfect his craft. But when he first came in, man, he'd, keep, he'd be kicking our asses. And I'd take him in the back and yelling at him and, What are you doing? sorry, Chav, I'm sorry, you know. But he'll tell you that. He, he learned.
0: Now, what happens when you get legitimately mad at someone in the ring? Like, I know uh, Randy Orton and uh, Mr. Kennedy. Uh, Randy got really pissed at him because he blew a spot. Do you, uh, how do you control your emotions? Because you don't, you know, there's that line of, okay, we still have a match to complete, or do you try and save your anger towards the locker room afterwards or do you whisper hey motherfucker
2: uh." yeah for well for sure it's professionalism for sure right now my job is professional wrestling it's not fighting not saying that i cannot fight but when i'm in the ring people are paying to see me professional wrestle they're not paying to see me fight now if you've ever seen a bar fight it's the sloppiest Worse than you've ever seen. You may be watching it just because of the awe. they like, what the heck? But it's horrible. You're not paying to watch. It's not entertaining. It's you got two guys slapping. You know, they don't really know what they're doing. They're not paying to see me do that. So there's professionalism. So here's one story. My Uncle Mono, my dad, were tag teaming. I don't know who they were facing, but there was, it was in Mexico at the time. And they got in a fight in the locker room with the guys. They're talking about the match and what you should do. And they got... They started fighting in, in the locker room. Then all of a sudden they said, hey, you guys are on. Your music's playing. They all four ran right out to the ring. Russell had a great match, left it all in the back. And as soon as they came back in the dressing room, they started fighting again. <laughs> that's, that's professional professionalism. Now, that's the same thing I want to do in the ring. When I get in the ring, there are times when I got to grab somebody and say, hey, we can do this the easy way or we can do it the hard way. Either way, I'm going to win. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, either I'm gonna pin you or I'm gonna choke you out. So one way we can either do it the easy way, which is the work way and the pro wrestling way, or we can do it the fighting way. We we'll do the fighting way, we we both lose. It doesn't matter. Fans lose, everybody loses. So there are times that you need to do that. There's times that you have to, you know, we we you get potatoed. It's called when somebody hits you in the face too hard. And there are times when you have to give a receipt, but. I know when somebody potatoes me on purpose and when they do it an accident for the most part. And then there's carelessness. Even though they're doing an accident, if they're doing careless, then you have to show them, hey, uh-uh, they ain't going to fly. You know? It's like a, bar- a dog's barking. You got to bark back sometimes just so they can say, oh, okay, he's boss. You got to feel it out. Everybody's different. Every match is different.
0: I mean, does it depend on their stature and the company like – you know, if you're in a match with say uh, Rick Rude, who's you know, mm-hmm. sure. a, a pretty high up in the food chain, I yep. would imagine. Sure. Or if you're against uh, you know a greener rookie, uh, do you go through your mind? Well, I can't really uh, potato him back because he's Rick Rude, or
2: maybe my first year in the business or as a rookie. Yeah, sure, maybe you, you kind of you take it. Cause, but once you know your spot and you're a veteran too, then yeah, it shouldn't. You're a veteran, you shouldn't be doing that to me. So. I, I'd definitely give it back for sure.
0: Well, you're a big guy,
2: so. I would oh not. God, yeah, huge. I'm 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 tiny in this business. I mean, that's
0: uh, yeah. I mean, there, there's a certainly uh, it, it, being a smaller a pro wrestler, uh, d- d- was it discouraging at times to see uh, like who would get the bell? Like, say, a guy like Sid Vicious, and, and I'm not, I'm just throwing out names of some of the bigger guys. You know, Nash. Did you like guys like you and Eddie and, and Benoit go? We don't look like that. We're never gonna like grow.
2: Sure, sure, You can say I didn't get the push because I wasn't six foot eight. I, w- I, I didn't get to win the title because I wasn't six nine. You can say that all day long, but in in the end, what they really see, what Vince McMahon sees, and I'm not talking about other organizations. What Vince McMahon sees is he sees green. If you can make him more money than a guy who's six foot eight, you're going to be the champ. Right, and that's that's just the way it goes. You, you're you may have to work harder. You may have to push yourself and do different things than a six foot eight guy, but you, you're you're going to get your spot because because you can draw. You can put asses in the seats. We call it. So if you come down to it and you say, well, I didn't. The reason why I was never the. WWE champion, I guess I just didn't put enough asses in the seats. That is what it comes down to.
0: But like when guys like Eddie and Benoit won, sure, did that make guys like you feel, oh there is I, I do have a, like you can be a
2: smaller wrestler. Absolutely, he, he gave hope to all the smallest wrestlers and Kurt Angle was one of the first ones. He's not a big guy, even though he was Olympic gold medalist in wrestling you No,pe know, uh, whatever weight he was at, light heavyweight, whatever he was um, he was not a big guy now he's thick, but as far as tall stature. He's really not. Then you had Benoit, who's a big, thick guy, but he wasn't really tall stature guy. Shawn Michaels isn't a big guy, and he he won, you know, and and Eddie and Ray Mysterio and and now you know CM Punk and Daniel Bryan and those guys. They you can't break through the mold. The mold for sure. Are you gonna be the guy? Are you gonna be the Cena? Whatever. It's, this is a big man's big man sport kind of the way it is but there's you there's no excuse no excuses if you you draw you're gonna you're gonna be the champ in any sport in any right. sport in in ufc it's the same thing brock lesnar won the heavyweight championship you know the heavyweight UFC championship on was fourth match, first fourth yeah, fight. Unbelievable! Because he was drawing. If he was just that big guy and wasn't, nobody was paying to see him. I guarantee you, he would never got the shot.
0: Well, they have a guy who be, actually beat Lesnar, uh, Alistair Overeem.
2: Oh yeah, uh, destroyed him.
0: Who's got this amazing look. I mean, yeah. uh, and he keeps getting chances, even though you know he. He hasn't had the best UFC career. No, uh,
2: he was testing positive for, <laughs> for horse steroids.
0: Meat. Yeah. Well, yeah. He said it was horse meat. So I'll give him the right, benefit right, of the right, doubt. Right. I, Mate. I think his
2: his epitestosterone testosterone level was like ten to one. Fifteen. Fifteen to one. That's when you just say, "Screw you! I'm doing anything I, I want." And he used to be a 205 pounder. Now then, when he wrestled Brock, he was bigger than Brock.
0: Well, when he uh, re- no, I was wrestled when he fought uh, Chuck Liddell in 2003. Exactly. He looked like Roger from What's Happening.
2: Didn't even look anything like it, right? And then all of a sudden, he Barry Bondsed everybody. He came out with a neck that was bigger than I think he puts, Like he grew. He must have grown five five inches. I don't know. This kid just grew, huge.
0: He's two sixty five now. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. So, if I'd guarantee you, if he'd be people be paying to see him.
0: Oh, I'm fascinated by him. He's got a fight coming up in December against Dos Santos. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's good.
2: Dos Santos, absolutely a big fan.
0: They legitimately don't like each other. Nice. So uh, that's, uh, you know, uh, December 19th uh, in Orlando. Cool, cool. Um, Now, you know, I don't want to get too into it, but I I guess in in the world of uh, pro wrestling, UFC, um, sports in general, uh, performance-enhancing products, what – I'm not saying you, but has, has a um, smaller wrestler, uh, was there uh, ever internal pressure from yourself or from others to go, hey, if you want to get to the top, you got to look like the ultimate warrior? Uh, things,
2: things have changed. In, in the 80s and 90s, that was the look, and that's what you did. So when you were walking down the st- in the 80s, when you saw a big, huge, jacked-up dude walking down the street, you went, wow, wow, that's awesome. Now, when you see that guy walking down the street, you go steroids. Right. The, the the look has changed. The, the UFC lean and mean look is in. But in the eighties, when I saw a guy was huge with big old shoulders that looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger, I was like, wow, that was so that's so awesome. Now that 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 look is it's you can tell it's a drug look. Right. Every, we're all um, educated now on that. Um, so back in the day, that just was the norm. Not that anybody told you you had to do it, but everybody kind of understood that's kind of what you did. In all, in all sports. In oh, all, sure. In all sports. You, 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 you know, even though we weren't a, trying to compete, we were, it was a body sport, and you did what you had to do to to get your body looking a certain way and get your size a certain way. Um, now, it's, you know, now it's different, you know? Now they're test. Everybody's tested, like, with Olympic testing, all different, you know, uh, NFL, just talking to an NFL player the other day. And... Um, major league baseball and, and definitely wrestling. We're all tested like Olympic sport, even though we're we're, we're like, you know, Shakespeare, I guess, or right. Monty Python's flying circus, but we're tested like that now. So you cannot, at least in the, in the WWF or WWE, right. you cannot have, um, if you have a, any kind of drug in you, a, if you have an Ambien in you and you do not have a prescription for Ambien, you are suspended. If you have a prescription for Ambien, but it is uh, expired, you are suspended. If you, it's just it, that's right. just the way it is with anything. Now, I mean, they're just they're just cracking down on everything, and and you should. There's so many too many people abused it, and too many people just you know just went over the edge with it, and you just you just that that looks bad for the for the sport for the, well, for the business, you know.
0: Um. Now. I don't want to end it here, but, uh, you know, I know you're a busy man. <laughs> uh, you have wrestled ECW, WCW, right. WWE, even TNA. Is there a difference between all four in terms of the, the professionalism? Like, were there certain things that would fly in one organization that wouldn't in the other? Was there one you enjoyed working for the most or the least?
2: Sure. they're all They're all different. So, coming from WCW... My first real big organization, you saw hey, it. was great. Hey, that like you just thought that was the way it was. Then I went to WWF at the time, who's changed to WWE. I had a a talk with Kevin Dunn one time, and I said, "This is how a company should be run." Right. I saw it, and I was like, "Wow, this company was it was all firing on on all eight cylinders, man. Everybody had their job, and everybody was going towards one goal, which is to." make money in in wcw wasn't really like that wcw you had was just it was too big we were a part of turner who owned the braves and who owned the you know the rashers yeah. and the hawks and then we became i don't know i think it was aol then time warner or one of the one of that order it was just too big. It Was too too many too many bosses, too many chiefs, not enough Indians. So no, there was nobody to police anybody. So in WCW, we got merchandise people that would just they kind of would do what they wanted. You know, it didn't really matter. It, WWE, at least when I was there, was not like that. WWE, if you were not doing your job, your 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 butt was handed to you. I remember being in Europe one time, and they took us. It was me and Kane and four or five other other. Um, superstars And they took us up To the meet and greet room And they just The, the lady just Walked us in They walked us in Nobody The meeting Nobody The VIPs Didn't even know We were there They all kind of Looked around Turned and looked at us And then Turned back to their conversation and, and just kept talking And we were just Standing there Like a bunch of Jackasses With our hand With our You know In our hand right. <laughs> And just going Like oh, Are you kidding me This is This this is not how It should be So when I went Downstairs I told the agent, and the agent, he's like, what, what happened? I said, this isn't right. Next thing you know, I got a call from Steffi McMahon and this is in Europe. And she said, Chavo, thank you for letting us know that girl's been fired. And I'm like, uh, I, I wasn't trying to get her fired. He's like, no, 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 that does not fly. That's not how we do things. That is not, this is, thank you for keeping, you know, keeping us checking, checking it and, and informing us cause we're not there they 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 knew their stuff other places so you don't want to talk too much crap about people oh no i, I don't uh, want you to talk yeah, crap i just yeah you know um
0: ecw T- T- was tna
2: wasn't really like that right tna was kind of they could be doing some things different to maximize their growth and and um I mean I definitely see it. I mean, and I, you don't want to get into detail, but you, you see the product and you see what's kind of going on with them. So it, it's nothing new, but they can definitely be doing different different things to to maximize that and and to grow in the right way. Whether they compete or not, I I don't know, but you know, they I would change a whole bunch of things with that. Where I'm at now, lucha underground, those those guys are they're awesome. Now we're just getting started First a season where we're treating wrestling like a like a like a, a TV show, which 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 should be, so we actually do a season. We don't run continuously, um, and these guys, they're they're st- still can be better because we can always get better. But these guys know what they're doing. They're 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 there to put on the best show possible. And um, soon we'll have the merchandising going on, and we got so much more potential to it. But it's it's we're just right. Our main focus is to get back on the air for our season two right now, and once that starts then everything else will fall in in line. And that's
0: on the L-Ray
2: network? That's on the L-Ray network. It's also on Univision, which is their Unimas uh, station. Uh, We are in hiatus right now. We've already run our our last episode of the first season. Getting, I think, getting talks, getting ready to shoot a second season soon. But also, um, you know, we're trying to get that hashtag out there that uh, Netflix needs lucha. Because uh, that's the next thing, is putting it on on Netflix and, and kind of getting it out to the rest of the world.
0: Well, I'm on the uh, Rob Schneider show, A Real Rob, on Netflix. I'll oh, see I what I can do.
2: Yeah, man, heck yeah. I'm a fan of Rob. Tom said, hey, Rob's the best. That?
0: Really? Uh, he's gotten me every pain gig. You, I...
2: you can do it! <laughs> he's we a
0: all still fan, say he? that. He's, he's, um, he's more of an MMA fan. Uh, I tried to get him into uh, wrestling, but he, he was. Uh, uh, you know, you know wrestling's a—it's
2: different. It's it's a, it's a once you get it, you get it. Right. It's one of those things. Once you get it, you get it. It's just, there's people that are wrestling fans that aren't MMA fans because it's just different. It's just a different game. So, you know, whatever.
0: Well, you, you know, I'm going to ask you one more question. Sure, and if Eric, you have another question. No, you go ahead. Um, is it the goal of like TNA, uh, Lucha Underground, eventually to? try and compete with the
2: wwe lucha underground what we do is we 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 don't try to compete and the reason being is this is wwe is the coca-cola of wrestling if we try to put out another cola all we are is a knockoff of wwe so mark burnett the mark burnett the producer Survivor. survivor survivor celebrity apprentice um shark tank um the voice he created our show, Lucha Underground. He's his theory, his I his um way of thinking is he would rather not succeed and fail being different than WWE than succeed being the same. Right. So we have a completely different product. And I and I, I call it Wrestling Three Thousand because it's it's unlike anything you've ever seen. Everybody says they're different. Well, I no, love it. No I've one is, it. right? You watch it, yeah, it's film it like L. a already. movie, right? It's crazy. I like-
1: like Conan, man, it was good because I was a big K Dog fan. Yeah, man, he's up, man. awesome on that show. And him playing like a mentor and yeah. then like a heel manager, it was great.
2: Yeah, and the, we film like a movie. I mean, we have when we do our vine- backstage vignettes, it's not John Cena and Randy Orton walking down the state down the hallway with a conveni- conveniently placed video camera. It's 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 filmed like a movie. We have lighting, directors, wardrobe, smoke. Uh, we're filming it with a jib camera. We're filming over one shoulder. We're filming. For all these different shots—it filmed just like a movie.
0: No, the production values are really it's crazy. Good. It's Ooh. ridiculous. And uh, so
2: we no, so no. What you're saying, we do not want to compete with uh, with WWE. Other places, I, I don't know. I don't work there anymore, so I'm, I'm not sure what they're thinking.
0: But and, what's the feeling in WCW? Like, because you had the budget. uh sure. You know, and, and uh, I, I did like initially, like, yeah, hey, let's get the Hogan's, the Macho Man's, you know, uh, the the Warrior. Uh, but they didn't, they seemed to have a good short-term plan like the NWO.
2: I don't care what anybody says over there. I hear Eric Bischoff do some podcasts sometimes that he wasn't trying to compete. Bullshit. They would tell us over and over again that they wanted to beat WWE. That was their job. And when we overtook them, we glowed. We were proud. We we're proud that we were the number one wrestling show on TV in the world. Two years in a row. Yeah, for forever. We talked about it how we we beat WWE and we beat, and we we were proud of it. So we absolutely we were trying to compete and we almost. And this is coming from WWE execs at the time. We almost put them out of business. Almost, there was a time when the wrestlers at WWE were make, making fifty dollar payouts. There was no money. Then they switched and they became that shock tv and they be, they started doing you know the x the, the attitude uh, era. attitude era you know with dx and puppies and all this different stuff and they just completely changed and they just they blew us out of the water with the rock and with with stone cold and and everything It just they, they totally changed their style they had to if they wanted to survive they had to change
0: was there a uh, either not necessarily a match but was there a moment where the boys in wcw was like Oh, we're about to start getting our asses kicked. Was it like
2: Yeah, there was there was a time. I mean, I, I guess when we, just when those other those guys at The Rock and Stone Cold, we started watching them, we started becoming fans and are like, wow, this is really cool, DX. Wow. The stuff they were doing was like, Wow, and then we try to compete with them and they try to compete with us and um you know when D X came to in Norfolk and they had a tank. I remember that.
1: I remember watching that. We I didn't know
2: one- whether to go out and kick their ass or go out and get autographs we're all fans too man we're like wow dude no way triple h dx is out there we got to go say we got to go go say hey to those guys you know really it was it was it was a cool it's cool to see that you know but it just we tried to compete like crazy and if anybody tells you there wasn't a competition they're lying to you
0: well i mean huge uh... When You guys gave away the results of uh, because Raw
1: was taped, yeah,
2: at one point. yeah. We gave away the results. I'll put
1: asses in seats, and uh, they both did,
2: man. Uh, they both that was when Rustin was, was saying that Russell's ratings had never been that high. Oh, it was great with well, that competition. That competition as a wrestler, as a fad, as a promoter, everybody, everybody won. See, Dude. I remember
1: being in sixth grade, and I got I was at Monday Night Raw in 97, like my favorite year of like rest as far as the attitude sure. era. Rocky Maivia came out of his hiatus. He was five seats down from me. I remember he was wearing blue shorts, a Tommy Hilfiger striped shirt. I remember everything. Farouk had a match with one of the guys from DOA, and he's right. still Rocky Maivia. Yeah. And We thought, he's, you know, he's going to help the biker out. The you know, Nation Domination of Bad Guys hits that rock bottom. But yeah. I even went back and listened to Jim where I was like, he joke slammed him. And then he was, joined yeah, the Nation yeah, Domination. Yeah. That's, yep. And also that same night, Shawn Michaels at a hardcore match of Mankind, and here comes the insurance policy, Rick Root. Oh. oh, yeah. And then uh, Triple H of China. Were see, I don't
2: remember any of that shit.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was. And then that's the night dx for, and then two months later, Nitro came to town. Mm. And I remember the Ravens flock coming down there, and I'm a little kid, you know. Right, I'm, sure. I'm, I'm marking out. And I'm talking shit to him, And, uh, yeah, and I remember finally getting to see the Luchador live. I remember that blowing my mind. Oh, yeah. So every time I think of the Monday Night Wo- Wars in two months and during the. And this is ninety seven. This is when it was like y'all were blowing them out of the water and they're kind of making a comeback. Right. Having the Heart Foundation feud. But uh but I remember seeing uh Eddie and Dean Malenko put on a hell of a match that night. Oh, and then yeah. uh and then a Ray Mysterio beat Disco Inferno. <laughs> but uh sorry, I didn't mean I to. I love go Glenn, on a, oh,
2: Glenn's a great guy. He's no, sure. I love him. Great, no, no, I'm not Glenn, on the Glenn get, no no problem. no guy Glenn, still make sure, I didn't say any of that, so make sure you still get me into Sapphires at, uh, in Vegas
0: for free. Thank you. You well, we could also <laughs> go to uh, Cheetah's and visit the Godfather. The Godfather, yeah. yeah not that I know. Charles
2: Rudd.
0: <laughs> well, I got one more thing I want to go over. Cool. You got five minutes. Yeah, man, let's do it. And I apologize for the uh, humidity in this yeah, house. It is hot. I mean, uh, you are. we're all sweating in here, but mm-hmm. I want to end... Uh, On a somewhat serious topic, uh, you know, we all know uh, Hulk Hogan's recent problems. uh, Yeah, sure. And uh, I I can't watch any of his old promos anymore because I know every time he says brother, what (laughs) word he really wanted to use. (laughs) Uh, And the WWE fired him uh, for uh, his uh, interesting views on society. Yeah. and you being of Latino heritage, sure. uh, I've always found wrestling as a fan to be uh, kind of a, um, uh, not a racist business, but a, a, I look at some of the, as a kid, I look at some of the characters I grew up with. You had Kamala, uh, some s- savage uh, Ugandan giant, uh junkyard dog uh, coming to the uh, ring in a dog collar barking on all fours, uh, Slick, the... Uh, you know the jive-talking pimp, uh, and probably my favorite character of all time, Akeem, the African dream. Right. Um, they, uh, they
2: play in stereotypes. What you're trying to say? Uh,
0: uh, to a degree, but but has someone who you know I'm uh, Irish white, I right. guess, uh, has a Hispanic, uh, uh, Latino uh, man. Did you did that ever bother you?
2: No, man. No, it, you know what? I remember one time somebody. Came to me and said, oh, "Do you like what Eddie's doing over there in WWF? I was still in WCW after they had made the jump. Do you like what Eddie's doing when he's he's coming out? And, you know, and it was before the Lowriders. But he's saying mamacita and he's really overplaying the the stereotype. I'm like, do I like it? Like, yeah. I mean, doesn't that demean the Hispanics? I'm like, he's playing a character. Do, do, are you not asking me when Edward James almost was an American me?" and was a gang leader you didn't ask me about that well it's different no it's not different they're playing a character Rusting. that's not really eddie that's just that's not it so he's he's playing a character he's it's not so to me no it's it's just that's the way Rustin was and they were really playing stereotypes just that's the way that's the way tv was you got look at look at uh, all the family that's all they talked about doug but edith He's a Puerto Rican. You remember <laughs> that, right? Right. I mean, you remember all that stuff. So, I mean, it just that's just the way it was. It just, it's things are very PC now, and sometimes way too PC. But you kind of had to go that way, you know. And and the whole thing with Hulk, I, I got the only th- I'm not gonna talk too oh, much about no, no. that. But I'm gonna tell you about both Hulk real quick. I've known him for a long time. I've never ever known him to be racist. Not that I condone anything he said. Uh, we've all have said stuff that we probably didn't want to be taped. And just because somebody says a racist remark doesn't mean they're racist in the sense that if you do not say a racist remark, doesn't make you not a right. racist. So that's kind of all I really got to say on that. I've known him for a long time, and I'll, I know the ones in the business that were racist, and you can tell
0: and we're we're there racist are Absolutely.
2: There's racism all over any a, in any business in all walks of life and all over the world there's racism but and and being being a uh, you know small brown guy yeah you you, you saw it at times but the, the way you, you have to you are in control of racism i am if anybody calls me a a beaner or whatever any mexican word you want to say i'm in control whether i want that to affect me or not you know so uh, who was the Who's the comedian that that ousted Bill Cosby? Uh, Hannibal Buress. So Hannibal, he had a good take on it. He's like, you know what, you guys are all mad at Hulk Hogan. I'm happy because now I know her daughter dates brothers. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, right. he, now he know he didn't know before. But Brooke, hey, she's a, she's into the brothers. All right, cool. But uh, I, I think you, everybody, so. PC and there's, there's, they just jump on like a witch hunt. Everybody jumps on witch hunts now, and you say one thing wrong, and they just they, they kill it. It's one thing if you're look at what Donald Trump's doing right now, and no one's condemning him, saying he's a racist, and he's saying way more racist things than anybody out there right now.
0: well Yeah, he's uh, you know build a wall the wall. and Well, trip.
2: not even build the wall. He's talking about deporting eleven million Hispanics. They spend three hundred eighty billion dollars a year in the United States. That's three hundred eighty-six billion into our economy, right? And now you take that away, that's gonna crash our economy. That's that's gone. I don't. I, so it's there's just there's everybody's just so PC out there. You just gotta everybody just lighten up a little bit.
0: Take, yeah, yeah, take yeah. it easy.
2: Hey, take it easy.
0: Well, uh, you know, I, I want to go deeper into this, but I also want to leave on a good. Uh, just real fast, if you if you were in the ring, yep, with someone like Kamala tells a story in his book. Uh, long story short, that Andre the Giant called him uh, uh, maybe a word he shouldn't sure. have. Sure, and, and th- he said that they probably had their best match ever because it was basically a, a, a real match. Sure. D- were you ever in the ring with someone, like, you know, I know there was an incident a couple of years ago with Alberto Del Rio. Yep. at uh, Backstage at WWE, the guy basically said, pick up my tray. Sure. Uh, did you ever have to wrestle against someone you knew was maybe... Uh, not racist, but... Uh,
2: sure, sure, sure. I, I know exactly what you're saying. There, you know, you know.
0: And did you, like... I mean, how if, did you handle it? If I
2: wrestle with somebody in there, first of all, I would give him some um, some props for having some big balls for actually being in the ring with somebody who can, at somebody, you know, punch you in the face. Whether I win or not, I will punch you in the face. And if you're going to say it, well, then, okay, maybe it's on. So I've never been in the ring with somebody who felt that way and had the balls enough to actually say that to me Rock. in the ring. Um, but a good funny story, hey, w- one thing in this business you, you learn real fast when we become a big brotherhood, once we're putting ourselves, our bodies on the line with each other, that there's, I have friends in this business, there's just no way that outside and if i never met them in the, you know, in, in streets that we probably would have ever hung out. I have some of my best friends that'll go to war for me from different walks of life that look like big biker guys or look like, uh, small black guys or oriental a, asian guys or you know whatever because we, we've become like a brotherhood because not only is our lives in each other's hands but we're making money together so i don't care if, if you like uh, an african-american or if you don't like a you know a hispanic but if the guy's making you money you're probably gonna tolerate it pretty good like the the owner of the clippers you know he may have thought a certain way but hey these African-Americans were making him a whole lot of money. So he really never have told them what he was talking, you know, Matt. But a, a, a real good, a little quick story is I was in the ring with, he was Steven Regal at the time. Right. And WCW. And he was from England playing the English gimmick, the pompous Englishman. And they were chanting, USA, USA. So I was chanting along with them, yeah, USA, USA, USA. And then we're like in... Alabama somewhere, mm-hmm. and as soon as it went quiet, got some guy in the front row, and I, it went quiet, and it was a lot of people in the back. It went quiet, and you got this big redneck guy going, and he's spitting. He's like, chavo, you ain't American. <laughs> Use a beaner. <laughs> right in the middle of the ring, I started laughing. I started laughing, going, "Oh my God! I guess you're right, man." I I go, "I'm an American citizen, dumbass!" You know, right. and uh, oh man, it was it was just funny at the time. Yeah, I could have gotten mad at the guy, whatever. I was like,
1: "Sorry for my people."
2: I, I yeah, it's all. Good. I started laughing. I was like, I was like, it's funny because I was USA, USA. Although I am an American and very very proud of it, I do hold on to my Mexican heritage also. Oh, sure. uh, but that's just look quick a little funny story but you know hey <laughs> everybody's different in all walks of life and you know the, there's that the 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 all the different jokes out there and you know what's I don't want to be too get too much into getting trouble but you know if you uh do it what, what and you can do that with any I'd say with 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 an hispanic what's the uh the first thing other nationalities say when they say an Hispanic joke, first thing they do is they look around (laughs) (laughs) before they say it. You know what I mean? So, hey, we've we've all said jokes and we've all been whatever. And I'm one of the least racist guys you'll ever meet. I'm always like, hey, I don't care what color you are, what nationality, what creed, what gender. If you're cool, you're cool. If you're an asshole, you're an asshole. It's got nothing to do with with race, color, anything. And that's, that's where you should be
0: i think well that's a good ending point for the podcast i know we went all across the board this is the part you're coming back for more i hope all right cool cool because we uh, we just scratched the surface with right right uh where can people find you twitter instagram
2: okay follow me on twitter at mex warrior m-e-x warrior follow me on instagram at chavo guerrero jr um i'm also on facebook it's talk, travel, real travel girl jr i that's kind of linked to my my twitter and stuff right. like that um
0: you have a website where people can buy some products yeah you can
2: buy some stuff at viva la Russa shop.com uh also i got a comic book coming out with the line Forge comics called uh the warrior's creed it's it's a, it's a comic on the Guerrero Family. family's pretty crazy good the uh fabian nisenza, nisenza who wrote uh, Deadpool actually wrote it. So it's getting a lot of play out there. Hasn't been released yet, but it's getting a lot of buzz. Um, you can fall, you can watch my show, the Chavo show on GeekNation.com, which I had just a podcast, uh, podcast interview with Roddy Piper. Um, God, I got a bunch of things going I got a couple of movie things coming out. I just had a meeting about our clothing line, um, VLR, Viva La Raza. And uh, that's going to be coming out very soon, and it's, it's there's some buzz coming. I'm kind of got my, I'm diversifying out there, man. The things that I should have done ten years ago, I'm actually doing now. So, just got my hands in a bunch of things, and uh, there's more of Chavo out there.
1: Hell
0: yeah! And where can people find you?
1: You can find me on Twitter at call me ec, and you can find me on Instagram at call me ec one. And if you're in LA Tuesday night, I got a roast battle coming up at the world famous comedy store. In the Bailey Room and Chavo. I'd love for you to be there. there you would be amazing. I'd love
2: to be there, man. I, 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 go ahead, keep on, keep on.
1: That's it. I don't have nothing else. I I did
2: a quick little thing that the comedy club and just to see where I was at and, you know, that real quick Iron Sheep roast, I was, wish I was able to talk more, but man, you, that's, hats off to you guys. That's tough. Being in a crowd like that and just commanding that. It's, it's one thing when I'm punching somebody in the face, but I got to sit there and tell jokes.
0: That's tough. I mean, uh, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to host the Piper Memorial and, uh. I was told, "Hey, throw out some jokes." Yeah. You know, I was like, "Obviously, Roddy meant the world to all of us," and uh, you know, it's like, "Well, his family's right there, and you know, guys like you who are friends with him, and uh, you know, Diamond Dallas Page was sure. there." And I was like, "Well, I don't really want to like be too inappropriate," uh, sure. but uh, it all worked out. And your story there was amazing. Hey, it's a lot
2: easier to be funny when people aren't expecting you to be funny, like at a like at a hospital or. Uh Bar Mitzvah or something like that, but when you're standing on stage and they're just they're looking, you're going to laugh, make me yeah. laugh, dance, clown dance. It's it's tough. That's tough, you know.
0: But we uh, can't do what you do. Like uh I, the show Eric's doing roast battle. I did a roast with John Morrison.
2: Yeah, he's and, good. Uh,
0: you know, I gave him some advice like, hey, you know, it's a wild atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, it's like a very ECW like, you know. Uh, just rabid atmosphere and he's like girl i've been to wrestlemania i've been in front of yeah. fifty thousand people don't worry i got it and the minute he walked on stage i could tell i don't got it like it was uh, it would be like if i tried to wrestle i'd be oh i can do it no problem yeah
2: it's not the same yeah oh, no. the same. although we are improv specialists that's what we kind of call wrestlers because we, we improv a lot of things and being in front of the crowd but it's a different audience a different crowd you know it's 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 not, um. It's, it's a lot easier in front of 10,000 people at the Staples Center when I've got six months of storyline built up behind me and, and 20 years of wrestling and I'm watching, want to see me kick Ray Mysterio's butt, than to go up in front of the comedy store or comedy club and, and when people don't know who the heck I am and they're going to make me laugh. Yeah. It's tough.
0: It'd be like if I came out, and you know, to the wrestling ring, I'd people would be like, who the fuck is this guy?
2: <laughs> hey, I, we, we... Oh shit the bed sometimes we come out and wrestle
0: yeah but uh you know let's just say this i think you could be a much better comic than i would be a wrestler oh uh,
1: you did make ddp go oh at the memorial thought you should know that
0: well i did uh, i think i said uh you, you know i was talking about how piper would go on stage and tell these wild stories and then uh i asked him one day how big mark henry's shits were and uh, <laughs> which i can imagine are substantial
2: i've never actually seen him shit so um
0: well, I can imagine a man that size isn't uh putting out little pebbles.
2: <laughs> yeah, probably.
0: But uh Chavo, I uh I can't thank you enough. Uh
2: thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it very much.
0: And uh please follow Chavo Guerrero, uh Eric Carter, my ch- I don't have a lot of co hosts on this show, but he was nice enough you to come down him. here. You don't need him. Thank you for having me. Follow him. Uh Lucha Underground, El Rey Network. It's it's really uh it's a lot better, in my opinion, than WWE. It's just they, they, they are invested in the product and it sure, shows. Sure, so for sure. please uh, watch Chavo on that. Uh, Inappropriate Earl, iTunes and SoundCloud. This is going to be a big, big, uh, big one for us. So I thank Chavo again, and uh, we'll see you guys real soon. Thank you, guys.